Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 49. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. Tara Delu, the Ashley. Tara Delu. Tara Delu, the Dave. Um, <laughs> that probably doesn't make any sense. We are a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Each week, one of us chooses something that the other person has never seen before, and then we force each other to watch the thing. Yes. And we talk about it. Yes. With you. Here now. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) That's the plan. Episode number 49, we cover all 48 previous... Yes. No, that's not true. No, okay. So it was not my choice this time. No, it was my pick. Ashley got to choose. And because of... um, We were looking for something that would bring a little joy and laughter to your life. Um, So uh, we kind of bent the rules a little bit. So this is something that Dave had not seen before he met me. (laughs) But he... I showed it to him. I don't know if it was before... I showed it to him in a non-podcast viewing type situation beforehand. So it's, it technically follows the rules, but, but well, s- in some it way... it doesn't actually <laughs> follow the rules at all, because I had actually seen an episode or oh. two long ago. Okay. Because Don had me over one afternoon to watch okay. an episode or two, but I don't really remember it. I just remember... How did you Mr. watch Show. like two episodes and then just never think of it again? I just okay. So the uh, so what I didn't we were have actually, access to it. He <laughs> had like the DVDs right. or tapes. It or something. was shown on HBO. Um, it had a very limited DVD run. Did you even say what it was? Not yet. Um, <laughs> it is Mr. Show, uh, which was a sketch comedy um, that uh, started in 1995. Uh, did about four seasons. Um, ended in 1998. Um, it is sort of a very influential t- um, sketch comedy show. It sort of, you know, a f- changed how sketch comedy shows are made now. You know, they used to be sort of the very SNL sort of, here's a sketch, here's another sketch, here's a commercial break. This is like one continuous, from the first sketch all the way to the end, There's it's it's like there's all these connections between sketches and they just... They just go from one sketch to the next, next without even really stopping with these little bitty um, transition pieces that sort of make it flow into one big chunk of comedy greatness. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and it is uh, David Cross. Yes, and David Bob Cross Odenkirk. and Bob Odenkirk. Um, also, uh, other collaborators on there, Jill Talley and uh, John Ennis, who I think are in most episodes. John and Tom Ennis, Kenny. And Tom Kenny, yes, um, who uh, is the voice of SpongeBob, uh, but also a, a, a great, does great character work. And I also on, spotted Jack Black in one of the episodes Jack we Black watched. is in the first couple seasons, I believe. Yeah. He also did the theme song for The Devastator, if you noticed that was oh, him singing. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the, and Sarah Silverman's in some episodes. I don't know if you've seen any of those. I think that, you pointed so, her out to me at some she's point. She's the one, um, there's an episode, um, Flat Top Tony and the Purple Canoes. They have weird episode names, uh, but she plays the woman. No, I don't know what you're talking about. The drummer. And I'm a woman anyway. (laughs) So why I picked this, um, it's just really funny. I think everybody should see it. Um, But it is, for me, like, so influential in all of my references. Um, 
Does that mean you also don't have uh, clear breaks between your it's your own that's routines right. I and think that it's just, just one flow together, flow? one okay. continuous flow from one thought to another. That doesn't always make sense how we got there. And sometimes but, starts from an absurd premise. Yeah. That so, you follow but through. there's so much that I quote, that I think about, that shapes how I react to the world comes from this the show. You know, um, you were probably referencing it before. I even knew what you were talking about. Oh yeah. Actually definitely. one of the early, all the time. <laughs> one of the earliest things I remember you showing me, and we saw it in one of the episodes this time, was the um the world's oldest educational movie. Yes. Sketch. That actually might have been the <laughs> So I showed this you to showed you. You showed it to me on YouTube at in work, the office. At work, yeah. And the reason I did is because we it were It was on our lunch break. <laughs> no, it wasn't on our lunch break. It was related to work. Um it was oh, yeah. related to we work. We were doing research for a video <laughs> we were gonna make. We were doing research for a video. We were talking about making a uh, infomercial no, no, educational video type film. Yeah. And I showed you that and the talk like a pirate YouTube video yes. to give us influence on how to make a fun Sort of educational video. style video. Warbly, yeah, exactly. Scratches, 1950s style. So, so if you have a job which has a creative aspect, you can <laughs> view these sort of things as an influence. Anyway, I got defensive there. <laughs> um, so I saw. I don't the, think we ever made that movie. Yeah. Though. So that was the first time that I showed it to you, um, and then I think I just showed you a sketch at a time until. Um, until one down one day we were tired and I just sat down and we we watched a bunch of them, you know. Um, <clears throat> so going back when I first saw this, I was in college, um, <laughs> and we were at a friend of a friend's house. So this was my high school boyfriend. He had a friend, and these were his college friends. So they were my college boyfriend's friends' friends. Not unlike the story of the story of the story of Everest. Exactly, exactly. Very much like that. And we were hanging out at their apartment off of 183 up there in those sort of college apartments that are over there. And um, uh, we watched, they put on, I think the first one they put on for us was Heaven's Chimney, which is the first episode of season three. Um, and we watched that and I instantly thought it was like the greatest thing that I had ever seen. And we went, we sat there and cause you have lots of time in college. We sat there, we probably watched like five episodes. Just, we watched three last night. Yeah. Yeah. They're and short episodes. Today. They're like, you know, 25 minutes. 25 minutes. Um, and you can catch them if you have HBO. Um, yeah. Right. Well, and or honestly, you can go on YouTube and they have and see some of the best sketches. Like any of the any of the best sketches you could probably, and and that's the thing is, is there are all these. When I was trying to pick the episode, it's so hard for me to pick an episode because there's so many great sketches. Um, you know, you can catch like the you know they have I guess Amazon or a, sorry. AV Club has a list of the best episodes. Vulture has a list of the top 24 uh, sketches. I'm impressed by the yeah. research you did yeah. into uh, <laughs> curating this. We should tell them which four episodes we saw okay. because it's a good sampler if they want to yeah. if they've never seen it and they want to take a look at it. You can find it on Amazon Prime, on HBO, probably iTunes. And like you said, it's a roundabout on YouTube. So um, because of the numbering system on Amazon, I made a mistake and we watched episode or it's Season two, two, episode six, that was the last one we watched. Um, I was trying to show you a different 
episode, but um, the numbering system is weird on Amazon, so warning. We watched uh, The Velveteen Touch of a Dandy Fop, which is technically season two, episode six, which is the last of season two. Um, then we watched episode, sorry, season three, episode one, Heaven's Chimney, which is the first... Tur de the Bob. Tur de the Bob. The Bob. Yes. Um, we watched uh, season three, episode three, OU Men. Mm-hmm. And then The Absolute Necessity, uh, epi- uh, season four, episode four, The Story of Everest. Um, which, between... I mean, those those three episodes, those last three I mentioned, are like required viewing in, in my view. They're oh, just like... <laughs> yeah. One of them has that uh, HR Puff and stuff, Sid and Marty Croft ripoff yes. thing. Which one was that? It's OU Men. So OU that's, Men. Okay. that's my favorite episode. It, well, actually, I don't know that it is anymore, but when I first started <laughs> being a fan, this is my favorite episode. Is that one of your go-to ones to put yeah. on if you need to see? <laughs> um. So it, the the quote, because all of the episode titles are quotes from the sketches, which yeah. is a pretty common practice, I think. Um, but the quote comes from, sort of, there's a East Coast, West Coast ventriloquist battle, yeah. um, mirroring the East Coast, West Coast rap wars. Yeah. Um, and the quote, oh, you men, comes from the widow of one of the uh, uh, killed uh, ventriloquists. And, you know, her... They ask for her 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 take on things, and all she says is drunkenly, "Oh, you men." Um. <laughs> My favorite thing is where they do the the TV show panel to discuss it with yeah. with two of the ventriloquists, two of the dummies, and just two random rappers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professor Murder. Yeah, yeah. Who gets called Professor Pickles in the, yeah. in the course then he, of the yeah, interview? Yeah, he gets pissed and leaves. I don't quite know how to <clears throat> talk about a sketch show um, like this. Um, I'm excited that we did uh, season two, episode six, because I haven't seen a lot of the early seasons because I started with season three. Um, there's a big jump in quality between season two and season three. You can tell they got a lot more money. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. In quality. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I thought you were still, I thought you were going for that. They didn't quite figure it out as late as season three, like the, the, the comedy. No, the, the, I mean, the tone, I, think, the comedy, I think there's the, stuff that's... Re- I mean, like, I was going to show you season two, episode one, which has one of my favorite sketches in it. Have you ever showed me anything from season two? The, no, and I honestly had never seen uh, episode six before, so this was new viewing for me. So, Coupon the Movie. Yeah, Coupon the Movie, which is listed among the best sketches, so I'm glad we sort of accidentally ended up watching it, because it's always listed as one of the top sketches Um um, so it's actually like a, is it like a triptych? Like we start out with the um, movie executives who are trying to sell Coupon the movie. No, they, they, it was a flop and yeah. they're trying to find the fall guy in, in the boardroom. Like who's, the movie made no money. Yeah. Who greenlit Coupon the yeah, movie? The movie, yeah. And it just has a poster with the coupon for tube socks on it. Yeah. People <laughs> love the coupon. Like, Why didn't they love the movie? research showed <laughs> that people love that coupon more than anything else. So, so there's a whole scene with the movie execs, and then they decide to sue America mm-hmm. for not viewing their movie well, that they you, spent so much They also had a trailer with. for Coupon yeah, the movie that that's was right. very dramatic, in, but nothing happened. But it was filmed as if it was a that a was after the trial, thriller. though. Yeah. So it's it's movie executives trial oh, okay. then trailer, um, 
and it, it's pretty much the most boring. It's about as interesting as you would think a movie about coupons would be, but but very funny. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to watch that. It also has this the episode two has the megaphone crooners documentary. Which is yes, like, if you enjoy singing through megaphones from like the 1920s or teens yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, like the songs are literally just like, oh, telephone, automobile, telephone. automobile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know how to talk about this, but maybe you have an idea. Well, let's talk about. We can talk about the performers because okay. I mean we mentioned their names, but of course David Cross, I, you probably know him most from Arrested Development. Yes, he was uh, to- Tobias. Tobias Funke. Funke, yeah. Funke. Fun- Fun- <laughs> the never nude. The never nude from from Arrested Development. Who, uh, yeah, decides to be an actor in season one. Um, also, interestingly, um, stand-up comedian. Um, he kind of does his own stand-up now. Um, I can't think of anything yeah, he's else. Got, he's got a lot of specials on um, either Netflix or Amazon. He may right be now. my most quoted person because the other thing that I quote a lot from David Cross is he played a bit character in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He was oh, like one of their friends. I don't think I knew who he was then. So there's a scene in the when when they're in uh, yeah. Jim Carrey's brain and. Um, David Cross's character is like building a birdhouse and like somebody comes in and interrupts him and he says in the most irritated tone, I'm building a birdhouse. And I quote that all the time yeah. for, for no reason at all. Just <laughs> So I love David Cross. I love him on Arrested Development. I love him in this show. He has, I don't know, he is so good at being exasperated, anxious, Kind of vulnerable, childlike, childlike. Yeah, yeah. Um, he w- just really commits to it. Like he will, you'll see his his chin quiver, you <laughs> yeah. know, in in emotion, and and he'll just totally sell <laughs> the emotion. He's um, he's one of the best comedic actors that maybe I've I've seen. You know, some people are just gifted in that sort of comedy realm. You know, and Bob Odenkirk, I. What are, what is he most famous for? Better um, Call Bre- Saul. Or? Bre- he's the lawyer in Breaking Bad, right. and that's has the spinoff, which is Better Call okay. Saul. So he plays Saul. I forget Saul's last name. So I've 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 only seen maybe half of a season of Better Call Saul, um, which is very good. Um, but he was very good in a in a comedic but very serious role. Still, um, you know. It's it's funny. Didn't we just see him in Little Women or something like that? Oh yeah, he plays the father in Little yeah, Women. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was trying to think of what did we see him in that was dramatic <laughs> recently. He's uh he's kind of um he's kind of loud and shouty yeah. sometimes. He's got definitely got a different way of performing. Yeah, he, and he brings does. a different vibe to. <laughs> he uh yeah he's he shout acts a lot. Yeah. He, you know, he's surprisingly too, subtle in his other roles. You know, yeah. you wouldn't think that that, um, but I think that he learned a lot. He talks about how he learned a lot from, um, uh, what's his name? The guy from Breaking Bad. I can't think of his name. Who also started in comedy. He was the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. And then Brian Cranston. Okay. Yeah, he said he learned a lot from working with Brian Cranston and how he's able to. Um, Cat Battles. It's an east side, west side thing going on over there. 
<laughs> I think we broke it up with uh, not too much violence. Um, but the other major contributor, uh, contributor is Jill Talley, who is the the brunette woman with uh-huh. um, who's in most sketches. She's good. It's really the yeah. three of them in most sketches. Yeah, and then John Ennis, who is the larger blonde guy, mm-hmm. who who ends up playing the filling out the thing. Um, yeah, and then they have a couple of other bit characters that come in and out, um, like the guy who does the story of Everest. Yes, who's that? Uh, uh, Brad, is this his name? Brad Gray. I, I don't think. think I ever noticed in the. Yeah, he's. He, I, I like him a lot. It's quite a good on. I mean, it is mostly Bob and David, but um, the the other two or three, it's it's a good ensemble yeah. overall. Well, and I believe there was an episode that I was going to show you. I think it has. Um, um, I can't think of his name. He he does. Um, you can't think of what he one does. of the evening shows. Um, John Oliver. I think John Oliver's in one of the sketches I wanted oh, to okay. show you. I'm not sure, but I think I think sure. that he's he's in one of the episodes. I enjoyed that one that yeah. you haven't showed me. <laughs> um, so I guess what are what are your favorite sketches? That well, let me tell you something I like. A, a, I wrote down um, I wrote down some words to de- try and okay. describe what was different or what I liked about the show. I couldn't think of it, but but if you want to comment on any of these, one thing I wrote down was that it's relentless. Yeah, a lot of the sketches are relentless and um, exasperating. Yeah, and I think that probably the one that illustrates that the most to me is the story of Everest. Yeah. <laughs> which shouldn't be funny no it shouldn't and, i mean if you I describe it to know, anyone I, no one will think it was funny it involves a physical comment. physical prat a fall yeah that happens over and over and over mm. with slight variations and you are sitting there thinking my god they will not do that again surely they won't do that again and then they do it again, again. and again yeah. and again. And by the end of it, you're crying. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. It's like, there there are sketches on this show that make me cry. Yeah. You didn't show it to me again this time, but the one about the cable call-in show. Yes, it's the pre-taped call-in show. It's a pre-taped call-in show. So the entire show, every episode, the guy is saying, if you're calling to talk about cats... <laughs> that's last week's I don't even remember yeah, anymore yeah. but it doesn't make any the time shift doesn't make any sense because he's constantly fielding calls on the program you're watching that are trying to comment on a different show yep. because it's pre-recorded <laughs> so you can't pre-record a talk show and then give a phone number on the screen because it's completely out of sync and everybody's always asking the wrong thing so you've got a TV host who's exasperated the whole time yeah. about people trying to ask questions for the thing that so, and that's that's why it's so hard <laughs> to to choose and it sounds stupid but it, but that one truly made me cry like, yeah it made me it made and i lost my voice and it, <laughs> it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life i don't know which episode that's in because we didn't watch that this yeah time. i can't it's i think it's somewhere in season three but it doesn't matter you can find it on youtube if you want it's the pre-taped call-in show yeah. um i have a list of of um of things that we didn't get to that I wish that we had to. Yeah. Of course, the top of that list is audition, which is David Cross doing a masterful comedic oh, co- yeah. performance. 
as an actor doing a monologue and I'm, I don't, I don't want to give it away, but it's just so good. Um, and the other Is that one, the one where he, where we're not giving it away. We're not, <laughs> no, we're not giving like, it away. Is it okay if I start? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, stop. We're not doing it. Well, how can we describe? How can, I, don't, I, I, don't I know we know. don't want to do an episode where we're describing like, okay. sketches. The Maybe whole the time. best thing is that we're just choking. I don't know. <laughs> um, other ones, uh, young people and companions. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you don't know this one probably, but mustard ANAs is several one of young my- people went missing, and also yes. some of their companions. <laughs> yes. Um, Mustard ANAs, which I don't think you've seen, but is... Oh, you've mentioned it. Is one... I mean, it's... Uh, and Mayosterd, their competitor is Mayosterd. Um, the Ronnie Dobbs sketches are really funny. That's the... Um, and and then, of course, the pre-taped audition show. Um. <laughs> so, um, when I say relentless and exasperating... A lot of the sketches are long, yeah, but they never run out of steam in the way that people say that Saturday Night Live often does. Well, I mean, I want to say, you know, to defend SNL, they start writing their sketches. Maybe they've, some of them, they've had ideas for a couple weeks. Yeah. They write their sketches at the beginning of the week. They have a full week to develop them. They, they're, you know, extra you know, whoever their extra cast member gets there on Wednesday. And, and yes, they, but still, seven know, minutes in, you can walk away and do something, and it's still going on, and it's... Yeah, yeah. so they, they don't, you know... They're really good at coming up with a concept, but, but Bob and David, because the way they write, it's, you know, it's one show. It's performed in front... It's Well, it's not really performed in front of a live audience at all. It's a taped thing. Um but they have the benefit of being able to spend time writing each sketch and figuring out how it transitions into the next sketch. So it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it feels like a more complete thing. And then, you know, sometimes they have ones they don't know how to end them, so they just run them over the credits. (laughs) So uh, I also, other words I wrote down, I wrote down that it's irreverent. And by that, I mean it's borderline offensive. Oh, there's definitely some stuff that <laughs> there's a lot that would play in 1995 or 1998, which, like, we just don't is, play it's anymore. uncomfortable. There's, I mean, like, there's some stereotyp- stereo- stereotyping. Nothing is really safe, I That's don't a little bit racist or a lot racist in some cases. <laughs> um, you know, um which, like, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye at at the time, but now it seems kind of cringy that, you know, a couple of white dudes are making fun of, you know, you know, uh, a rap producer in jail, you know. Oh, that's yeah. a little, I don't know. There's some other ones that, that are a little more cringy in that way you know well but, <laughs> but it is cringy yeah not i don't i don't mean the the offensiveness of it i just mean the whole thing is kind of cringy yeah <laughs> um well you feel uncomfortable a lot regardless of i mean not but there's not, a lot of humor in feeling uncomfortable it's true because when you get the release of yeah. like the whatever the absurd thing is that throws it over the top yeah. then when you're crying it feels yeah. good <laughs> So I think that 
they definitely also come out of the tradition of like Monty Python's Flying Circus, mm. which was which I grew up with and yeah. loved and adored and everything. And like I know all the sketches, and I'm one of those irritating people that can like quote them and stuff like that. <laughs> um, one of those. One of those. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you married the right person because you know, for my 16th birthday, my parents gave me recordings of. Yeah, I, and I used to have the tapes, you know. Yeah. My sister and I would take them on, like, road trips and listen to the, the tapes of the sketches. Well, it's like when like they that. added them to Netflix recently. I had never seen the parrot sketch. I had oh, heard yeah. it many times, yeah, but yeah. never listen, never actually seen it. That's so. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so they definitely come out of that tradition. And I think, actually, Monty Python did a lot, did, but not to such an extent, but they often had the that running, continuous mm. thread that connected one sketch to another with with strange um, transitions. Yeah, it was it wasn't usually the curtain comes down. It was often something, some strange mm. aspect or detail from one sketch becomes the starting place for the next sketch yeah. until it gets passed along like a relay race or a baton, and you, yeah. you make it all the way through <laughs> to the end. And then there's a call back to the to beginning. The original one, so I think yeah. Mr. Show does that, and I think Monty Python did that. But they were also just as likely to, like, for a sketch to just disintegrate. You yeah. know, I mean, a sketch sometimes would just disintegrate with police running in and yeah. like pulling people away because it was too silly yeah so it's too silly if we don't know how to so, end this yeah because they don't know they don't know how to end it so sometimes it just it just it's fine it just it's over now well it's interesting because they they take advantage of that like okay this sketch has run out of steam let's make it part of something else let's yeah. make it a tv show that that these people these next people are watching or let's make it an advertisement that you know is before this next segment or something like that. It sort of changes the framing of, yeah. of things. Um. <laughs> so in Mr. Show, what one of the first ones we watched, rewatched again last night, I'm pretty sure I've seen it like three, like you've showed it to me like three times now. Is it, it Heaven's, Heaven's Chimney? Chimney? Yeah. So Heaven's Chimney. It's one of the best it episodes. It all has, uh, most of the, a lot of the sketches have that kind of religious thing yeah, going on Yeah, they do have religious So themes. Heaven's Chimney refers to this sort of cult. It's a cult. Yeah, they're going to go up Heaven's Chimney. They're going to go up Heaven... Because Bob is... Uh, pure light and energy. Bob is The Bob. Light. The Bob. Tour de the Bob. <laughs> Tour de <Tour> <laughs> There's a gesture that There's goes with gesture, it. There's a gesture, yeah. So it's... So the... <laughs> the uh, it's, every episode starts with them coming out on stage and doing the little greeting to the audience. And, yeah. and usually the sort of theme or the, the, the joke that's going to run through the, the whole show kind of comes out and this one starts with the cult sort of thing yeah but later on you have what looks like one of those like praise the lord kind of uh television uh, yeah shows like, uh, with an evangelist and it, it like TN, uh, cnn or but not cnn but they're satanists <laughs> yeah but they're still but they're still southern they have big hair and suits and flashy stuff and it's all um so it's completely so on its head like two things about this really like I mean, like, this was the thing that, like, broke it open to me. It, it, to me, like, when I saw it that, it was, like, it like it was, like, the funniest thing ever. So, because I grew up in a time when, you know, we didn't have on-demand anything. We watched cable. 
you know, we had 24 cable channels or whatever. We had the cheap cable package. Yeah. One of those was like, you know, beamed live from Nashville, this like Christian oh, network. Yeah. We you used know. to have Dr. Gene Scott on uh, Yeah, on and our sometimes, you know, you just watch it. When you were born, there's nothing else on, and there's like some crazy stuff going on, and people are dancing and singing weird, and there's we all sorts asking of for money strange and camera angles, and yeah, it's... It's very interesting to watch. Um, or the dissolves of like four different superimpositions of, yeah. the, of, the, of the guy, of the evangelist singing. So when you're waiting, you know, for, you know, your two o'clock in the morning showing of um, whatever sci-fi show you're watching in the middle of the night with your brother, this, as an example, <laughs> sometimes you watch a little bit of the Christian Network and, and check it out and they just do such a spot on... Thing, but they just mix it up instead of being, you know, praise the Lord, it's hail Satan. And mm-hmm. it's just... But they say it the same way. Hail Satan! It's, yeah, it's right. the best. Um, you know, and every line in that in that thing is just, just hilarious. And then David Cross comes out as the shining example of the beautiful sin of sloth. Um, that's indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they wheel out the little boy in a wheelchair and he's just kind of... One of our animals is making a weird noise right yeah. now. And um, he can't really move, and his head is kind of lolling to the side. There's nothing physically wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's just very lazy yes. and suffers from the sin of, well, from the, the glorious it's sin the of sloth, sloth, I think. Yes, he's a shining example. Yeah, um, But they have to actually, you know, help him move his head, and he <laughs> really just doesn't ever get up. Yeah. But he could. <laughs> just to... <laughs> It's very weird. So another thing it shares, which you can tell with um, something like Monty Python, is the, that connection to the absurd and the surreal. Yeah. And I think it's often the, in, the initial premise mm-hmm. that, beca- you know, like they take something that's completely nuts, but then they just treat it completely seriously and go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so you have, um, is it the same episode that has the Devastator roller coaster? Yeah. So that's, that's like one of the classic... <laughs> sketches like we can't say too much no i anyway it's it's a it's a roller coaster (laughs) that has a an over-the-top uh television ad that calls it you know the most terrifying ever whatever yeah and it has it has a song by um Jack jack black um called thank you for the ride uh which is hilarious and then an earnest news crew that's on at the side of the roller coaster talking yeah. about the devastation that's happening in this small town yeah. at approximately between 8 a.m. and midnight. It's like 9 a.m. and midnight, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just so beautifully done. Like, it switches back and forth between the newscast and the, the ad for the roller mm-hmm. coaster. Um <laughs> but it's as if there's a a, a, a natural disaster playing yeah. out in this town that's wreaking havoc. It and... seems very familiar <laughs> based on what's been yeah, going on true. here lately. Um, um, the constant news stories on um, mounting crises, um, but but in a fun way that you can um, that doesn't depress well, you. <laughs> yeah, we can laugh at uh, the the suffering of uh, absurd comic actors instead of our own suffering. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So, um, so they have, 
like a number of different types of sketches that they do a lot, I guess. Um, They do a lot of the sort of fake documentary style. So, you know, for an example, uh, the um, Megaphone Crooners is a fake documentary. Um, They have um, the Ventriloquist is another fake documentary. So they do a bunch of those kind of things. And the educational documentary about the the drowning the wizard and all that. So that one's... They come to, back to pretty frequently. I can think of two or three other examples of that sort of thing. They do a lot of like advertisements and yeah. sometimes like competing advertisements. Fairsley, Fairsley, the grocery store uh, SmackDown is a really good one. Um, that we that's watched. one of my favorite. It's it, that one's in um, the same episode, episode as the story. Four, story, the story of Everest. Yeah, um, it's another one that goes on for a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a series of competing advertisements between the little at home like family run mom and pop grocery store yeah (laughs) and the giant chain that's taking over the town yeah and then they have a lot of i would call them sort of domestic scenes that go weird um yeah there's always a couple and yeah someone intrudes in some way or i don't know so there's the one where it turns out the husband killed someone in the past or tried to kill someone in the past and the guy shows up at the door with asking for favors With the, with the scar around his neck. Where he tried to hang him, yeah. <laughs> and he asks for a glass of water and then can, can't really drink it without dribbling. It's very... Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go watch um, that one. There's there's some pretty good ones with um, like interventions, I guess, that comes up pretty uh-huh. regularly. So just sort of like um, domestic type scenes... Uh, there's a pretty good one that makes fun of. Um, there's a few that make fun of popular culture. I think the best one is the law school um, one, where he makes fun of what is that famous law school movie about the first the paper chase? The paper with chase. The Professor Kingsfield. So it, you know, John Houseman. Look to your left. Three of these people, you know, <laughs> will drop out by you know by Christmas or something. No, like but that. instead of that, it's like three of these people will die. <laughs> Somebody else will break their leg. I don't, I don't remember exactly. One person will uh, leave law school and start a strawberry jam uh, yeah. business. It's a little too specific. Yeah. And of course, it all happens. Yeah. Um, so the so there's there's a little bit of the pop culture stuff, but it more is is um, sort of basic scenes gone awry. But I think, like, probably the most common thing that they come back to is um, is the sort of docu- documentary-style thing. There's one called The Fad Three. Do you remember no, that I one? I don't know if I've ever seen that. It's sort of based off the Beatles. It's that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the Oasis band that uh, is oh, part smoosh. of the... Yeah, smoosh. Smoosh. Yes. The contest uh, that you get to go to the moon the, with That's the probably or... one that I quote the most. I, li- I like cheese. Lovely. Lovely. (laughs) It's like one of those terrible MTV VH1 sort of interviews where the rock stars don't care. And like it's funny. But like if you know what Oasis was at the time, then it's even funnier. And of course, I was like a giant Oasis fan. You know, I didn't see this until, you know, years after it originally aired. I think I probably saw it in like 2002 or something like that. So it had been off the air for four or five years, but it was still pretty, um, all the cultural references I, I, I totally got, you know, but I don't even think you need that. Um, 
there's one called Let's Blow Up the Moon, um, which has like a spot on like, I think it was a a mocking of sort of like Toby Keith style songwriting, but like, (laughs) really, it doesn't matter because like, you know, sort of country music sounds that way still. So you would Mm -hmm. still be able to understand what exactly they're getting at there. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it's still, it's actually surprisingly still relevant because it's not specific to any sort of one, you know, one period, a lot of sketch shows, they don't stay relevant because they're so topical to the time period, but they're so good at, picking up on the cultural yeah so it's like it's like that's fam- what you were saying yeah. about you were watching an episode you were watching some fry and lore a bit of fry and lore yeah. the other day and you were like they're funny but i don't understand all the 90s british politics that, yeah. that they're kind of sending up at all yeah like, i have I no just, context for that i don't really and it, and it dated it and also under- culturally we were yeah. part of that so yeah, it's it's not embedded. I mean, like I think you it is a distinctly American viewpoint, but I think that it's generic enough and actually is sort of prescient, I guess is the mm-hmm. thing of like some of the circumstances that happen now. You know, this this would have been when Bush was in the is that right? Or I don't remember when this show was from. 95 to 90. I know that was Clinton, wouldn't it be? To 98? Is that right? Clinton was president until 92 to 96 and then to 96 2000. to 2000 okay mm-hmm. but it would have been in the lead up to the to the 2000 elections is that right i think so yeah didn't you say this was late 90s yeah yeah okay 98, 99 yeah. or or did you say it ended in uh no i don't have that in front of me Dunno. <laughs> but um in that sort of early um incarnation of the you know extreme polarization of the political spectrum which i mean i guess was always there but that was the first time i noticed it because i was a teenager yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's when you start noticing things outside of yourself i guess outside of yourself um but they were pretty good at uh picking up on on those sorts of things that would be that would be so i have a question for you what what mood is it th- that you have now that makes you feel like I just feel like putting on Mr. Show? When do you do you have a certain like something that makes you just feel like I need to see that? Is it how does it satisfy your your need or your mood for viewing something? That's a good question because it's not exactly it's like it's super funny. It's hilarious. But it's not exactly like, but like relaxing. You said, it's also kinda. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It it's can not... be quite uncomfortable and edgy. And uh, so, if I want, if anxious. I, I want to turn my brain off, I can't watch it because you you can't turn your you brain. It's think such about it. it's such smart comedy. Yeah. You can't not think about the circumstances that make it funny. You On know? the other hand, sometimes I can watch it when I'm really tired yeah. and I can watch it in that like really tired, my brain's not quite working state. Mm. So it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying. Like yeah. Sometimes um, it's the right, like I think when I'm tired, I understand the sur- surreal surrealism of it more, yeah. the absurdity of it more. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's closer to the tiredness. Yeah. Well, I mean, People talk about, I don't know if everybody has this experience, but there's the, 
I'm tired, I can't function stage. And then there's the I'm so tired that I've gone back around to super hyper and excited again kind of thing. Maybe it's in that And it place ties where... into that really well because of that sort of hyper silliness it that is goes a little, on. David Cross in particular is a little manic sometimes, yeah. I think. There's a there's a definite weird vibe of but, I energy. Mean, I, I think I really appreciate how they're able to make something make some things that are very serious uh, very funny you know and still confront them in a way that you know not just acknowledges the absurdity of why that is but points out you know like the best comedy should how this is a problem that needs to be fixed you know if you think about it that way you know this is this is something that shouldn't exist you know you know, this poverty or this, Mm -hmm. you know, this particular way of thinking, you know, I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's pretty good at, 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 I don't know, to, to use a cliche, holding up the mirror to society or some, (laughs) some crap like that. But, um, I can see how there would be times when you're just feeling vulnerable, that it wouldn't be the best thing, but, I have this memory right now that randomly, without any context, I just sent my sister the complete set of Mr. Show for yeah. Christmas. And she's probably like, what the what fuck did you just is send this? Me? What is this? I have, and I never followed up. I never explained it in any way. So I don't know if she ever watched it or put yeah. it on. But um, yeah, that reminds me I need to have a conversation well, with her. Is it the same time that you sent her flight to the Concords? Because that makes a little I more sense. I think I sent that the year before. Okay. Um, well, see, I don't watch a lot of sketch comedy. Yeah. Like, so you were, one of the first things you said on this recording was um, that it was so influential to the sketch yeah. comedy that came later. And I was like sitting there going like, I don't really watch sketch comedy. I don't really yeah. know what came later. I don't watch anything now. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. You know? So and most I... of the sketch comedy that I watch is the old stuff. Like yeah. Monty Python, Kids in the Hall I loved for a long time in the early 90s. I've seen a lot of Kids in the Hall. I watched... You know, as a cable kid, and I grew up watching a lot of cable TV. (laughs) So, you know, I watched episodes of The State on MTV. I watched um, Kids in the Hall reruns. Um, Kids in the Hall is really good. Um, It is really good. I need to go back and revisit that. um, Oh, well, they're doing a new series. I just, I love comedy sketch shows. Um, For some reason, I'll never sit down and just, except for Mr. Show, I never really sit down and just watch them, though. the exception was is I came across um, uh, the Mitchell and Webb look, which is a British sketch <laughs> comedy I see show. More of that, so we need to find out where we can see that. So if you haven't seen it, there are on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere on any streaming shows. I might have to buy it just because they have some of my favorite sketches of you all time. You have to watch the Are We the Baddies? Are epi- We the Baddies? Or Number Wang? Number Wang? Any of the Number Wang episodes? Actually, mm-hmm. start with Number Wang Number One and then go to the further Olivia Number Coleman Wang. Olivia Coleman is in that show. Olivia a lot. Coleman, the Queen. Yeah. Various queens. She is actually the queen. Um, she's playing Queen Elizabeth on The Crown now. Um, but you she. Know, I, when I watch <laughs> um, comedy from the 90s and early 2000s, I keep stumbling on. Well, not in the 90s, but probably the mid 2000s. I keep stumbling on Olivia Coleman and I yeah. didn't know who she was. Yeah. <laughs> she um, was in a Doctor Who episode I watched recently, one of the Matt Smith ones. I was like, I didn't know Olivia Coleman was in this. So they. I don't know that, like, it's. Mitchell and Webb look is very good. 
And it sometimes reaches the level of Mr. Show. Sometimes they just have some downright flat out brilliant comedy. I don't think, and you know, it, it benefits from the fact that they have short seasons. So there's only six episodes per season. So they can focus their time on, on getting some really brilliant comedy out there. They also are on a, they have a show called peep show, which is sort of a a narrative, um, uh, sitcom type thing, which is interesting. It's, it's, that's the one that's filmed from the point of view, the point of the view of the characters. So it's, it's a little strange first person viewpoint. Strangeness. (laughs) That was weird. I think you did show that to me late at night and I, I completely forgot about it until you mentioned it like the night before last. So, and there was a time probably like five, six years ago where I was reading a lot about comedy and listening to a lot of podcasts, Mark Maron, mm-hmm. um, and probably watching the Sklar brothers had, um, you made it weird, which is Pete. I forget. I've forgotten his name. Um, anyway, I was listening to a lot of comedy related podcasts and actually like early or mid to early podcasting. A lot of the podcasts out there were comedians, mm-hmm. um, sharing their thing. I think I first really, my first introduction was, uh, uh Mike Birbiglia with his long form sort of comedy monologues. And that was sort of like, you know, stepping you closer to, but I, you know, I grew up watching SNL like my dad loved Saturday Night Live like he would tell me about Steve Martin sketches you know um we had grew up watching a lot of early SNL stuff (laughs) we had um we had this big book the 20th anniversary which I think my brother came across the other day um of all the sketches from SNL Mm -hmm. um that were so popular you know like the the Wheaties or Little Chocolate Donuts, which is not Wheaties, but that's... Coneheads, uh, cone the Czechoslovakian guys, yeah. and probably John Belushi, the samurai. Yeah, all of that. But, like, my era was, like, the Will Ferrell mm-hmm. kind of yeah, era. I, I watched that, a lot of I'm, that era, too. Or in a little bit before that, like, Norm MacDonald and Kevin Nealon, that uh-huh. kind of time. Um, yeah. Phil Hartman would yep. have been on it around that time. So, like, you know... Mid to late 90s would have been... And then, like, when I went to college, I really kind of stopped watching it. But, you know, you know, full credit to SNL. They're writing that under very difficult circumstances. So it's understandable why all of theirs aren't knock it out of the park, where, you know, something like Mr. Show, they would be able to sit and and really craft it into a full, full yeah. piece of work, you know. And I really respect that, um, you know... It's deranged guys, though, and what they crafted into. Yeah. It's pretty... Well, so, oh. and, and I think it actually is really influential on a lot of things. I mean, I don't have any evidence for this, but I listen a lot to the Night Vale podcast, which is um, sort of a fake town in the desert. They have a radio show. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, which has a sort of similar flow between, you know, stories that are happening in the town and commercials and little news bits and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there was some sort of influence there too. At least I see the similarities. I know they're also influenced by my favorite Joe Frank. <laughs> yes. Who did the, all that experimental so radio in, yeah. the, in the 80s. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to make sure to ask you was um, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk got back together a few years ago and did a new series or a new season of something. It wasn't Mr. Show, but they came back and did the Bob and David well, they show or something yeah, like that. It was, I think it's just called that? With Bob and David. Did I you believe. see any of that? And how? I believe I watched it. I don't it remember much ab- yeah. about so it. So it um, did not really hit the 
the Mr. Show well, vibe for I you. Well, I want to say when it came out, and I don't have my phone in front of me, so I can look it up, but it may have been in a very tumultuous time <clears throat> in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was around the same time that my dad died, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> <laughs> Within a year, I got a divorce. I don't divorce, think I would want to so, watch Mr. Show during any of that. So, well, I I suspect that I watched it sometime in that two mm-hmm. year period, and there was a, just a lot going on. Yeah. So, I probably it just didn't didn't really. And like that's one of those times I, I didn't really have the bandwidth for anything like yeah. that. So I just watched Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. You know, it's time to just watch the Gilmore like Girls like seven again. times in a year or something like that. So. <laughs> Just go through and start over again. Go yes. through and start over again. Which, you know, is interesting because, like, with their pop culture references and sort of, I mean, they don't have the sunniest outlook on things either, you know. It's, no. you know, I don't know. <laughs> so did you have any other thoughts about uh, Mr. Show or sketch comedy or anywhere where we've been or this evening? I, I just would recommend that... That if you love comedy, you should definitely see this. I, I think it's it's just so influential. It's just so funny. I just, I can't recommend it enough. There's, every episode has something. Even if there's like, there are very few sort of just not great sketches. There are a few of them, but like the rest of it just sort of elevates things enough that, that you kind of get through it. I think it holds up. I don't yeah. think it feels dated at all, yeah. considering the fact that I'm seeing most of it for the first time, you know, in the past year, yeah. the last few months. Um, it's still just insanely funny. Well, and, you know, I want to say that that it, it bears viewing several times, too. So the first time... Like, Heaven's Chimney is just instantly funny. It's just funny right off the bat. The story of Everest is a more complicated thing. I want to say that the first time I saw saw it, I didn't understand how funny it was. Uh, Cat battles. (laughs) But this time the cat is battling the sofa. I didn't didn't quite, but, like, at some point I watched it again, and to me it, it just clicked, like... All the rhythms, all the... I think the, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I actually think it was borderline <laughs> irritating the first time I yeah, saw exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you're watching it, just daring it to keep going, and, yeah. and you just want to cover your eyes. You yeah. can't... You actually feel like the parents in that sketch yeah. who are on the sofa watching yeah. this yeah. this accident happen over and over and over, and you do feel that weariness, Yeah. but it's also funny. Yeah. It's... I don't know how to. I don't know if you could ever capture that in a bottle again. Something quite like that. I mean, I'm sure there's other sketches they do that are somewhat like that. But that, to me, you have to have a lot of balls to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's- you have to really commit to it. You have to not care if it's irritating. You yeah. have to dare people. Yeah. Like you're actually really trying to push people's buttons with the sketch like that. And it really works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I don't know. It's good stuff. And all the way through, it plays out with the little motion, the movie version of of the incident that happens in that room later on. The story of Everest. Yes. Story of the story of the story of Everest. It's good stuff, people. But I mean, like, and it just it's just stuck in my brain. Like the sketches. Sometimes I don't even remember what sketch they come from, but I have these quotes that just kind of swim around in my head. And they, I don't know, it helps frame my way of viewing things. It helps me find comedy when when I'm 
It allows you to frustrated comment and, on something happening in yeah. your life by connecting it to something absurd in Mr. Show. Yeah, so it makes it easier to get around our sort of weird, wonderful, terrible, absurdist, all the crazy stuff that happened, especially the last month and a half. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's really good for framing framing that, looking for the humor in everyday circumstances. I'm glad you chose something funny and this weird to yeah. <laughs> to kind of offer up to people right now with everything yeah. going on. I mean, um, what is it? It's May, March 31st? It's March, March 95th. March 95th. <laughs> My friend <laughs> made this joke. Yeah, it's the 95th day of March. Um, we've been under a pandemic uh, shelter, shelter in place, place for 20, 21 20 days, days 20, something, something like, that. like that. We're yeah. working at home. I know a lot of you are also in similar <laughs> shelter in place <laughs> situations. I, I don't know. Well, I hope that you find some things to comfort you in all of this or to, I don't know. Well, and you, I think you can't for just our focus next... on the news the whole time. You yeah. can't just be in a state of anxiety all the time. So with that, I guess we can transition. I mean, we're not we're going to end the episode, but next time um, is our fiftieth episode, and we thought um, we'd do something a little bit different for that. Um, so instead of either of us picking a uh, movie for a feature, a feature showcase just, uh, film. Um, we are going to choose five, although I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to cheat a little bit, five movies or, or, or TV shows, um, that, um, we like to listen to when we need, um, a little bit of fun, comfort, light, humor, humor, you know, um, in times, um, that are challenging or just when your brain is tired. That give me hope are light, though. So I'm, That's I'm true. gonna look at that. Yeah. I have a long list going, but I'll narrow it down. Yeah. But some, I said it may some, end up being ten. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm having trouble with it. It can be a podcast. It can be a show. I'm like, well, how can I only do five? Then it's not enough. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're planning for next time, and in about two weeks. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening again. Tell your friends. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram. All that, write us an email at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com with your thoughts on the show and um, find us on Apple Podcasts and um, give us a review or a star rating to help other or people Overcast. find us. Overcast is awesome. It's, Overcast is great, but you can't review the show on Overcast. But that's true. It's just a podcast app. It's a great podcast app. You can subscribe to us on all of those podcast apps. And we're on Spotify. You can find us there as well. So until next time. Let's smooth sailing. Snow. <laughs> be well, be, be well. safe, um, and we'll catch up T- with take you. Take care of each other. Take care of each other. Um, we all need that right now. Yeah. And we'll be back in two weeks. Bye. Bye.